Something is wrong, very, very wrong in the world. And there's not anything humans can do about it. It's called sin. Now there is a way to deal with sin and we'll talk about that today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery, studying the Word of God, all with the same theme. That theme is, of course, Yeshua HaMashiach. Here to help us is Corey and Ryan. What's going on? I'm going to be taking a look at bread again today, specifically the marking of bread. Ryan? Today I'm continuing with my creation series as we read through the book of Psalms. All right, I love this creation series and the bread thing. I'm, I'm getting hungry already. Janice? <laughs> Segment is called Rest for Our Souls. All right, so get your Bible guide out and take care of the world's best-selling book. That's the Bible. That's important. Blow the dust off it and let's open it up and let's look at what God has said to us as we get ready to read and hear the Lord. Psalm 38, verses 1 through 22. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. For your arrows pierce me deeply, and your hand presses me down. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head. Like a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. For my loins are full of inflammation, and there is no soundness in my flesh." I am feeble and severely broken. I groan because of the turmoil of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before you, and my sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pants. My strength fails me. As for the light of my eyes, it also has gone from me. My loved ones and my friends stand aloof from my plague, and my relatives stand afar off. Those also who seek my life lay snares for me. Those who seek my hurt speak of destruction and plan deception all the day long. But I, like a deaf man, do not hear, and I am like a mute who does not open his mouth. Thus I am like a man who does not hear and in whose mouth is no response. For in you, O Lord, I hope. You will hear, O Lord my God. For I said, Hear me, lest they rejoice over me, lest when my foot slips, they exalt themselves against me. For I am ready to fall, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare my iniquity. I will be in anguish over my sin. But my enemies are vigorous and they are strong. And those who hate me wrongfully have multiplied. Those also who render evil for good, they are my adversaries because I follow what is good. Do not forsake me, O Lord, 
O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. Psalm 38, verses 1 through 22. Psalm 37, 38, 39, and 40. We read another cluster of psalms as we go through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. A very interesting trek. Human nature, you know, is not good. That's true. We all have sinned. In fact, the world is full of sin. The culture of sin is everywhere. It's everywhere. It is sophisticated and it is complex. But God is Lord over everything, including sin. He is the only one, the only perfect one, who paid the cost of sin 2,000 years ago, once and for all. His death and resurrection gave humanity the opportunity to be forgiven and have eternal life with God. This forgiveness and this new way of life, however, means a change. God's Holy Spirit is the one that helps us to change. We cannot change on our own. Psalms 38 is a psalm of David, written as a prayer to God in humble and heartfelt confession of sin. We too have a choice to make in our own lives that can move us into a place of perfection with the help of Jesus Christ and with God's Holy Spirit. The Lord God alone is our salvation, and that's why he is called Yeshua HaMashiach. That's why he is called the Lord. So let's keep that in mind. Now, as we get ready to study today, it is interesting. We're going to talk about Psalm 38 and take your Bible guide, turn to it. If you don't have it, then you can write to us or call us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Click on the page of the Bible guide. It'll take you to donate. Thank you for the donations, but it'll take you to a place where you can download it, where you can download it and join us in seconds. We're going to talk about make haste, O Lord. Father, help us today as we learn from your scripture what you have said and how you've said it. Help us to listen to how it speaks so we can change our heart. Help us to hear what you've said so we can change our heart, so the Holy Spirit can change us. In Jesus' name, we said together, amen and amen. Psalm 38, one through five. Oh Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. For your arrows pierce me deeply, and your hand presses me down. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head. Like a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. Uh, this is amazing. David confesses that he has been foolish to have allowed sin to have dominion over him, to, have, to allow sin to have dominion over him. Beloved, when we recognize the perfection of God, we see our foolishness in sin. Sin is such an evil thing. And we are born in sin. And it happened many thousands of years ago. And what takes place is God knew he had to do something about it. So around 2,000 years ago, he sent his only son. Actually, uh, you know, back about 6,000 years ago, 
he sent, uh, he, he sent, uh, or he told Adam, he said, there's going to be a conflict take place here, Adam and Eve. And they heard that her seed will crush his head. Isn't that interesting? But it also said that he will damage his heel. So that's fascinating. Then the Lord came, Jesus Christ, 2000 years ago, lived perfectly, fully God and fully man, born through the Virgin Mary. And when he did that, he died for sin, but he rose again miraculously in the flesh on the third day. Very interesting. Psalm 38, 6 says, I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long for my loins are full of inflammation and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and severely broken. I groan because of the turmoil of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before you. You and my sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pants. My strength fails. As for the light of my eyes, it also has gone from me. My loved ones and my friends stand aloft from my plague. And my relatives stand afar off. Those also who seek my life lay snares for me. Those who seek my hurt speak of destruction and plan deception all day long. But I, like a deaf man, do not hear and am like a mute who does not open his mouth. Thus, I am like a man who does not hear, in whose mouth there is no response. For in you, O Lord, I hope you will hear, O Lord my God. For I said, hear me, lest they rejoice over me, lest when my foot slips, they exalt themselves against me. What a spilling of his soul. David says that he is like a silent, broken man in the face of God. Beloved, we are like David. We're silent and we're broken of our sin. But you know, Jesus came to give us new life and healing. Jesus came to give us new life and healing. And beloved, Jesus Christ can be called on. Jesus Christ comes into our heart. And Jesus Christ knows that we can't do anything. But he knows that he can come in and heal us. And if we allow him to be Lord of our life, he will help us. He will change us. Isn't that amazing? True. I'll finish this in a minute. Let's go on. This is 38, 17 to 22. For I am ready to fall and my sorrow is continually before me. I will declare my iniquity. I will be in anguish over my sin. But my enemies are vigorous and they are strong. And those who hate me wrongfully have multiplied those also who render evil for good. They are my adversaries because I follow what is good. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. O Lord, my salvation. David offers this. David cries out for God's help. He cries out for God's salvation. Beloved, we must repent, repent. We must stay close to God and follow him. He is our help and he is our salvation. I want you to remember, doesn't matter how far we've gone, we've not gone too far. Doesn't matter how far we've fallen in, we are not too deep. Doesn't matter where we've been, God can reach us. We've never done too much where the Lord cannot forgive us of our sin unless we choose. 
not to follow Jesus Christ. And I, I don't make that choice. Don't make that choice because God's coming back soon. And when God comes back, I want to tell you something. I want to be behind him. I don't want to be in front of him. He's going to come back and take us away. And then there's a whole new setups being displayed. And after that setup, Revelation 19, he's coming to take us away. And I want to be behind him. I want you to be behind him as well. Whoever you are and wherever you are, come to know Jesus. Say, Jesus, I need to know you. Forgive me of my sin. Help me, Lord, today. Help me today. Be the Lord of my life. I, I just have had so many problems, Lord. Help me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. And what God will do, send his Holy Spirit, and suddenly you'll see things change. Very important. Today we are looking at ancient bread once again. On yesterday's program, it was an introduction to bread. And today we're gonna to be taking a look how, at how ancient people marked and changed and shaped their bread. Take a look. It's been estimated that bread and cereal grains made up as much as 50% of the diet of ancient Israelites. It's no wonder then that bread came in all different shapes and sizes. The ancients didn't just stop at shaping and molding bread, they also made stamps to impress their loaves and cakes. Clay, stone, or metal stamps were utilized elsewhere in everyday life. Signet and cylinder seals were taken as a person's official signature. Clay jars were stamped for administrative, storage, and economic purposes. And bricks and tiles could be stamped for the glory of their commissioning king. Ancient bread stamping is known to us from literary texts, artistic representations, the physical stamps themselves, and even in the famous case of the city of Pompeii, a preserved loaf. In the Pompeii loaf's case, the round bread was divided into wedges, tied about with a piece of rope that would have made a convenient carrying string, and stamped with the name of the baker. This demonstrates for us a couple of the basic reasons for ancient stamping. One, it could identify the bakery and thus be good for publicity and accountability. And two, in some Roman cities, it was common for people to bring their prepared raw loaves to a bakery equipped with bread ovens. A family stamp would ensure they got their appropriate loaves back. This practice of bread stamping goes back farther in time than the Roman period. As far back as the Neolithic age, archaeologists have found evidence of it. Again, there was more than one reason to stamp a loaf. It could be done purely for the sake of decoration, adding beauty to what was otherwise a laborious task. It could also be done superstitiously, stamping on messages of health, protection, and petitions to various gods. In this same vein, stamped bread was often used religiously. Special cakes and loaves would be stamped with the name of gods and goddesses, sometimes first forming them into the shape of a more expensive offering, like an animal, and then stamped. This ritualistic bread would often be blessed by the pagan priests and distributed to the revelers to enjoy. This brings us to stamped Jewish and Christian bread. 
In Judaism, stamped bread had an added benefit of labeling it kosher, and the practice of stamping special bread for biblical festivals may have been adopted. In Eastern and Greek Orthodox Christianity, bread stamping is still a part of the Eucharist. This practice may have developed quite naturally in the early church. By the second century, it was common practice for the body of believers in a city to receive bread given to them by the area's bishop for a weekly communion. In a world where there was no common church building, this shared bread represented the unity of believers within their diversity. Since the practice of stamping bread was thoroughly entrenched in Roman society, it wouldn't have taken a huge leap for someone to start stamping this shared bread to mark out its special importance, all the more so because it held a unique religious value. So there we go, lots of interesting topics to take a look at when it comes to ancient food, especially when it was involved, you know, in, in things like uh, religious offerings and sacrifices as bread was. Very interesting, Corey. I love that. Ryan? All right, well, today I'm continuing on in my creation series as we go through the book of Psalms. And my purpose in doing this really is to honor God as the creator. And today's report is especially relevant for me because it's springtime where I live and everything's starting to turn green again after a very, very long winter. And that's what I want to talk about today. Everywhere I look, it's green. That's why it may come as a surprise to learn that the green leaves of spring and summer are actually just a cover. The design that God put into something as simple as a leaf is really, really astounding. So let's take a close-up look at these amazing biological machines. A time to be reaping, a time to be sowing. The green leaves of summer are calling me home. These are the famous lyrics from the song entitled Leaves of Green, which was written for the 1960 John Wayne film, The Alamo. However, it has been discovered that the green color of the leaves is actually just a cover. Indeed, although the beloved yellows, golds, reds, and purples are there, the green steals the show for the majority of the season. This is due to photosynthesis a process where leaves convert carbon dioxide and sunlight into sugar and oxygen. The plants take the sugar and give us the oxygen. This process, however, could not happen without the microscopic green biomolecules called chlorophylls. John Upchurch explains that when sunlight strikes the chlorophyll molecules, they start vibrating and send out charged electrons that run the sugar-making factory. Chlorophyll is picky about which colors it uses, however, Sure, he says, sunlight seems pretty yellow to us, but it actually comes to Earth with a full spectrum of colors. Chlorophyll ushers the red and blue parts of the light right into making energy, but the green part bounces off. That scattered green finds its way to your eyes, and suddenly leaves look completely green to us. Once the trees begin to shut down their energy factories, however, they stop producing chlorophyll. It is not long until the green fades away and the other colors are revealed. Xanthophylls, carotenes, and the rarer anthocyanins are responsible for the yellows, oranges, and reds, respectively. These other behind-the-scenes colors, though unseen most of the time, also play important roles. For example, the yellow is thought to protect the leaves from the intense rays of the sun, while the orange limits oxygen's destructive effects. And the red pigment is believed to help the trees recover the last few nutrients from their leaves before winter. The question is, if these other pigments are so helpful, then why are they not visible all year long as well? Actually, this is a very important design feature. 
Indeed, out of all the colors, the darker green does the best job of collecting sunlight. However, the other colors also aid in boosting efficiency too, as they allow even more absorption of sunlight. This is one of the many stunning examples of the fine-tuning of planet Earth, which points directly to a creator. You know, from the reaches of the universe to the lowest part on the Earth, we see a whole lot of design. Today's example was just one little leaf, but from that we could see the careful and deliberate adjustments made in order for it to function to the best of its ability. Now, let's be real here. This is no accident of nature. What we have here is just one of the many examples of the fine-tuned creation, which the loving God of the universe has provided so that we can all have life and have it abundantly. But what's even more amazing is that even after our natural lives are over, He has still provided a way for us to live forever with Him. Think about that for a minute. The God and Creator of the entire universe has made a way for each and every one of us to live forever with Him. He's done it through the work of Jesus Christ, God incarnate. God came in the form of a man, Jesus, and died for your sins and mine. And all we have to do is accept His work on the cross on our behalf and make Him Lord of our lives. We also need to turn from our sinful lifestyles and ask the Lord to forgive us, and He will. Now, will you make the decision for Jesus today if you haven't already? Life is so delicate and our time is so short. It is short, and uh, just come to the Lord and say this prayer. It's really important. You just say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I need you in my life to be Lord of my life. I know you came 2,000 years ago. And we killed you, but you rose from the dead. So I need you today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, that's God being able to, the feelings that you're having is God being able to tell you that you're free now from that bondage of sin. And now God's going to begin to work on your life if you're serious. Thank you. Janice? That's uh, a lot of the focus of where I was going today with my segment called Rest for Our Souls, because we see this prayer of David in that time of chastening. And he starts out, and you can feel his heart here, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. For your arrows pierce me deeply, and your hand presses me down. This is what sin does in our lives. It presses us down. It holds us confined. Uh, It's like being in bondage, being in chains. David goes on, There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. In my Bible, in the section beside it, I have written a verse from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, and it's Jesus speaking. And he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's exactly talking about the thing that David speaks about on when we are separated from God because of the choices that we make. And God gives us the opportunity through his son, Jesus Christ, to be reconciled to him because God gave his son, Jesus, who came and lived a perfect life. When you hear Rod said, we killed him, Jesus willingly laid down his life for us. And it was planned before the foundations of the world. 
the story of redemption of God's only begotten Son, that through him we can be forgiven of our sins, but that also means a commitment. That means that we commit our life to follow God, to know his ways, and not just to know his ways, but to actually put them into action in our lives. We won't get it right all the time, and that's why Jesus says, don't try to hide, but come to me. Come to me and help let me change you through my Holy Spirit. Um, and so that it's just very, very um, good for us to remember in these times that Jesus has made a way for us. We need to turn away from the temptations that come into our life. And when we see areas in our life that we are not doing well, we need to be able to turn away from that with God's help. We need to run away from them and run to Jesus. Run away from the temptations and turn ourselves and run towards Jesus because that's where our help comes from. We can't muster that up in ourselves. We might be able to try for a little while and have a measure of success, but then when real trouble comes, it's too much for us. That's why Jesus came and died for us to make a way, but we must follow him. So remember what Jesus said, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Interestingly, at the very end of this Psalm, David says, do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. You've heard us say on this program before, you might've heard somebody else say it, Jesus, God is as close as the mention of his name. He absolutely is. It's us who make the decision how far away that we want God to be or how close that we want him to be. Do we want to be under the shadow of his wings? Think about a bird, a mother bird, and how she shelters her little chicks in the time of storm or if there's a great wind. She gathers them. The same way God asks you to be gathered under the shadow of his wings. He can be your hope and your help. Invite him into your life today. Today we pray and we say, Lord, help me and teach me as I read and I pray through the scriptures. I need to know who you are. And Father, I pray today that you would speak to our hearts in Jesus' name, amen. Now, listen to me because Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we have a prayer meeting live at 3.30 to 4.30 New York time or Eastern time. And uh, when you go there, we'll pray for you. So Facebook, YouTube, or Bible Discovery TV, we'll be there.